I believe that each of us has a light that shines deep within. The moment we find that light and the ability to share it with others, we feel a sense of connection and belonging. As grown-ups, it's easy to forget that we too were once young children, longing to be seen, loved, and heard. It is a longing that we never grow out of, one that is not age-specific, but one of human necessity. Encouraging and helping our children on their journey to find their own inner light and talents will assist them in finding their voice and ultimately their purpose. Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast you really don't want to miss. I'm Suzanne Harris, and today you're going to get a sneak peek at what goes on behind the scenes with a particular author. You're going to find out their secret recipe for creating their book. You might even get an inside scoop on a new project. Who knows? And if you want to know more about them and their work, we'll tell you where to find them on social media. Joining me today is children's book author Lisa Graham. She's here to talk about her book, Randall Finds His Light. Lisa is not only a children's book author, and let me take a deep breath here, she's also a podcaster, a blogger, a speaker, an entrepreneur, a voiceover actor, a narrator, and a philanthropist. She also calls herself a hardest. She creates media in a multitude of formats that speak to her belief that we all have the power of one. That is the ability to create moments that can change the life of another human being for the better. Lisa founded Empower Kids for Literacy. It's a nonprofit organization based on her love for children and books. It's her belief that all children have the right to have access to books and the support system to learn how to read, amen to that, despite their social or personal circumstances. And I confess the quote that I used at the beginning of the podcast is from Lisa Graham's reader's message. Lisa, welcome to Books on Air. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Oh, you are extraordinary. You have done so much, and the children's books and the Empower Kids for Literacy, it's just wonderful. But I want you to travel back in time with me for a moment. Let's go back to the very beginning. I'm a curious soul, and I'm always curious about how the writer becomes the writer. There's always a story. Either a child was a reader and they were impact, imp, impacted by the reading or they were impacted by a specific book or there was a teacher or a professor who saw, saw some sort of spark in that person and so they encouraged them to write. Sometimes an author will have some kind of life experience or a life event and they'll feel almost a calling that they need to write a book to share it. So I'm curious, Lisa, what's the backstory behind Lisa Graham? When did you first start writing? Why? And how old were you? I would say I can go back to being in third grade. And you mentioned the power of a person. I had uh, a teacher. Her name was Mrs. Parker. And I just adored her. 
and I adored her because not only you could she just really cared for the kids. You, you really felt that love you know, as she as she did her job. And story time was a very special time during our class, and we could count on that. You know, children need to know they have something to look forward to. And we knew every day at a certain time that we would be on our mats at her feet. And it was a very, a very personal time. And uh, the story that she read was Willy Wonka's The Chocolate Factory. And it was such a wonderful, imaginative story. And I remember just sitting and looking up at her in awe, not only for the story, but how she read the story. And how she delivered the words and talked about the characters. She had a beautiful voice. It was very calm and very soothing. And and she was young. And I just wanted to be her. And even the way, you know, looking back, even the way she held the book, she held it so reverently, you know, like so gently. And, and as she, even as she turned pages of the book and held the book up and would show us the pictures, I just, I wanted I wanted to be her. And I guess that's where my love of writing started. And I, my father went to Catholic school um, and one of his teachers uh, was Sister Clarissa. And I can remember, I don't know what made me do it, but I started writing this book and it was a, a love story. It was so funny, me a little third grader, and this is a real romance. I would send my little envelope with my chapters to the convent to have because she was an English teacher to have her she was like the grandmother I never had I lost um, sadly my parents lost their parents very young so we didn't have any grandparents so she was my adopted grandmother and she would everything was handwritten back then you know we didn't have the internet so everything was snail mail and she would take the time to read um, writing in cursive because she had She's a Catholic school teacher, beautiful handwriting, right? Mm -hmm. And she would take the time to read. And she was tough. She wasn't, oh, this is great. You're awesome. She would edit. And she would say, this is great. You might want to try this, this, this. And I guess she was my first mentor. And and she believed in my work. And uh, I guess that's where, I guess that's where it all started for me. You know, one teacher, one story. And another power of one person in my life that actually made me think that that I could write. It's amazing how you'll have encounters like that in your life and you look back at it and you think, wait a minute, these two people actually created in you the idea that not only you were good at this, but that this is something you were really going to do. I love yeah. that. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing yeah. that with the, the readers, the listeners. We hope they become readers, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know what's so funny? Like even on my past, my podcast, you tell me, I say, you know, oftentimes when you, when you are that person, let's say it was Mrs. Parker, sometimes you don't realize the impact. Right. I mean, you kind of know I'm a teacher, but, you know, I hear story after story from teachers and educators going back years saying, Somebody will reach out to them randomly. They'll look them up now on on Facebook. One of the good things, uh, one of the good things that social media has to offer. Um, And they'll say, you were my teacher, you know, when? And I just want you to know what a difference you made in my life. And so my call to action is always, please look them up and seek them out, because I bet you sometimes they just don't know. And boy, when you get a message like that, you save that. And you hold that like and you 
wear it like a badge and you hold it close to your heart. And that puts fuel in your tank, right? I'm a former English teacher, and I have had those things happen to me. And it's always a stunning revelation because you sometimes when you look at an adult that you had as a student, sometimes you can still see the kid there. Sometimes you can't. But it's mm-hmm. it, when you have someone either look at you face-to-face or send you an, an email. I got one about a month ago, actually. And this oh, young wow. man said, you made, I thought, what? I was just trying to do the best, because you're just trying to do the very best job that you can do. Yeah. And so it's a, mm-hmm. it's a stunning revelation that you actually made a difference for someone. Have you ever told either one of those two people that they made a difference for you? But. Um, well, Sister Clarissa, she she was I guess eighty five. She passed oh, seven years ago. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then Mrs. Parker, you know, I, I imagine, I imagine, you know, if she's if she's alive, God bless her. I have to try and look her up. You know, I got to do what I tell other people to do. I have to go and speak and see if I can find her because. No, I mean, you know, for so many years at when you graduate, you go back and you see your teachers and you pop the head in. That's always fun, you know, and uh, they always tell you that they don't age. You do. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to see you anymore. You're making me feel really old now. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's and, you know, you you do the do not with the intention of, of getting any recognition. You do the do because that's what you felt you were driven to do, and that is your purpose. And many, many times you don't know the impact, and you might never, but you do it anyway. Um, you know, with the, uh, hey, and when I wrote the books, I said, look, if I can impact the life of at least one child or even, you know, a child being bullied to save the life of one child, then nothing I will ever do is, isn't, will be in vain. Um, you just do it because that's what you love. How were you first drawn, Lisa, how were you first drawn to writing children's books? Because that's a very special niche, I think. I've always really held children's book writers in very high esteem because it, it's a, it takes a very special brain and a very special talent, I think, to write children's literature. How did you become drawn to that? Well, I, I raised three beautiful children. My youngest is 20, Ryan, Haley, and Liam. And, uh, you know, phonics and reading and the importance we placed on that in our house was very important to us. So we started them early. And then I read to my kids. I read to my kids at night. And, you know, you think you're doing so much for them, but I have to tell you, it did so much for me. I, I can't tell you the peace that I would get from literally climbing into bed, you know, especially let's talk about my youngest, Ryan, because I thought, oh, this is my last chance, you know, they're growing up. And I would read, we'd say our prayers. And there was no greater moment of peace that I ever had than at bedtime. And then I thought, what about the children? My mom was an orphan. My dad, both of my parents didn't didn't have great upbringings, um, didn't have the happiest of childhoods and decided when they got married that it was going to be different. And we wanted for nothing when we were young. We weren't rich, but we, we never wanted for anything. We were rich in love and affection. And I, I thought how I couldn't bear to think of a child going to bed, especially if there was something going on, something was happening to them. Let's say they were being bullied or maybe, you know, they say hurt people, hurt people. Maybe they were acting out because of something that was going on in their life. And what if they didn't have a caregiver or a parent 
that they could go to to share their feelings and ask questions and, and say, I, I don't understand what is happening. And I thought, and I talk about this in my interviews, I don't know what it is. Maybe in the past life this happened. The wet pillow, the little puddle of tears on the pillow. I could not bear the thought of a child falling asleep at night, crying themselves to sleep. And you know, like when you're upset and you have a really good cry, and your pillow gets wet, and you kind of have to flip it over to the other side because mm-hmm. you know you haven't. I couldn't. I, I, that's all I. That's the image I had in my head, and I thought I can't. I can't bear this. And then, you know, fast forward, my kids were in their teens, and I kept hearing. And it seemed like on the news every other night was a child that was either hurting themselves or horrible social media bullying situations. And I thought things just seem to be getting out of hand. What can I do? And I think that in terms of trying to say we all can do something to make this world a better place. And I think people generally want to help, but they they stop. They hit a wall when they think it's too big. I'm not important enough. I don't have letters after my name. And I have a great story. A doctor friend of mine has a Ph.D. She grew up in London, survived the blitz. Um, She was the only female in her family that got a Ph.D. And she said, people are shocked when I tell them. I got nothing out of university. I learned all of my, you know, I learned from my life experiences. So she was interviewed and she wrote a letter to a gentleman and she had the letters PhD after her name. And he responded back with his name and the entire alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> and she, and she, she loves humor. She's just a trip, uh, Dr. Yvonne K. And I love that. And I, that's just kind of the, that just speaks humor into you don't have to have letters after your name to make a difference. So I thought, well, I'm a mom. I love my kids. I love the the friends, my children's friends. And what can I do? You know, something we can all do something. So I said, well, I can write. And I thought, well, I can't write a, a manual because I'm not a social worker. I'm not, I'm not trained in that, but I can, maybe I can write a children's book. And let me tell you, writing a children's book is challenging because of the fact that, there's so much you want to convey and so much emotion, but you only have so many words that you can accomplish that in. You know, a good children's book can be anywhere from 750 to 1,000 words. That's what, quote, unquote, the standard is. And I remember when I did my first draft of my first book, The Adventures of Finley and Cisco, I literally had to rip the manuscript up and cut it in half because I had all these adjectives. I said, well, I need to bring the reader to where I am so they can see the full picture. So, um it's so rewarding. Um, the letters that you get, I was a bully and I don't want to be a bully anymore. And I mean, just beautiful letters. Um, but it's rewarding, but it, but it was challenging, but I wouldn't, uh, this is my wheelhouse. This is what I, I love doing. Well, let's talk about Randall. Let's talk about Randall okay. finds his Yay, light. Let's talk about yeah, it. I love it. Go ahead and give our listeners just an overview of the book. Okay. So I believe that we all have a light inside. And I, I believe that we all have a, a purpose, if you want to call it that, a greater calling. That's why we're here. And I believe that it's important to nourish and to um, support the light that we all have, because some of us maybe have had it and maybe something has happened in our lives that have dimmed it. Some of us maybe have it blowing full steam ahead, um, and that's great, and they're sharing it with others, a, a candle you know, a, a, a light passed on to another candle doesn't dim your light. It only makes it grow. And then there are others that don't even realize they have the light deep inside. 
So the book is about that. The whole book, the, the imagery, the names of the characters, the, the city where it takes place in Paris, everything screams of light. And it's about a little candle, Randall, uh, Randy for short. And uh, he's a misfit. He, has, uh, he was made in a, in a factory in Paris. And he had an extra wick and was a little smaller than the others in his batch. And they pulled him off the line, the production line, and took him away from everybody. And they labeled him a little imperfect, a little label said imperfect. Like we do with children, we label children and we cast them aside as if they're not important, they're not valid, and they don't matter. And that's a tragedy. So I wanted to speak to that. So this little candle gets put in the supply closet on a back shelf all alone and he's crying and he's so sad. And Lucan, which means it's a man's name in Basque for light, was given the job. Hey, buddy, clean out the closet. So he did. And he found Randy. And he thought he was unique and special. And his wife, Jome, which means light in Japanese, was a teacher. So he said, she's going to love this. She loves candles. So the story, the adventure begins. She, he takes Randall home, Randy home, puts him on a shelf next to a little peppermint-striped a uh, candle named Candy. So it's Randy and Candy and they develop a they develop a beautiful friendship and the part in the story, I know you had asked me if I wanted to read an excerpt. Um I don't know if this is a good time to do it or not. Perfect. This is the, the con this is the conversation that Randy and Candy have. And Randy, he's just in love with Candy. She's really pretty and has a beautiful red bow, but she's more like a big sister to him. And so he's sad because well, this is what it says. If only they could see me shine He said with a sigh, I know they would see how my light could bring so much joy and make people happy. And Candy, let me skip to the next page here. And she says, don't be sad, Randy. You're a special candle. And soon everyone will see your light shine. I hope you're right, Candy. He said, I feel like no one wants to give me a chance. I have so much light to give. Candy said, I promise. Your light will shine at just the right time. And you have to read the book to find out what happened. I love but, it. Um, yeah. I love it. I love the idea, first of all, that you were clever enough to use words from other languages that meant light. You were clever enough to set this in Paris called the City of Light. Wow, Lisa, so clever. <laughs> What is a kindling corner? I found that as I was doing my research, and I thought, I'm going to ask her about this. Well, what I would, what I would like to do is start a group of children. Because, you know, children, you know, in, in order for all of us to feel connected, there's three things that have to be present. We, we need to know that we are loved. We need to know that we are capable of loving others, and we need to know that we belong. When those three things are present... We feel a connection. And, you know, as adults, yes, but especially as children. And a kindling corner, I came up with that because, again, this feeds into light. When you, let's say it's a, it's a wood-burning stove or, or a fire. When you feed the fire, you, you put kindling in a fire. And I said, well, how can we relate that to feeding someone's light? And I said, well, you know, there's goslings, there's ducklings, there's yearlings. How about, let's, let's start a group called Be a Kindling as a, as a little child and say, when you feed the light of another, you're being a kindling. And so if you notice, the first four letters of the word kindling is kind. So when you feed someone else's light, you're being kind. 
or when you're kind, you're feeding someone else's light. So then I thought, let's do a call to action because story time, reading to and with your children is is so important. And I thought, let's do a call to action and set a challenge. You know, make your own kindling corner. And what is that? That is any place that you can read with your child about stories of caring and empathy and compassion. Um, and it could be anywhere. It could be a living room. It could be on a floor. It could be on a bed, a sofa, in a car, on your lap. But it's 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 really kind of a, I don't know, maybe a, a symbolic place that that's the time where your child knows you're going to give at least 10 minutes, and that's all it takes, a 10-minute time every day, time that is just mommy and mine, daddy and mine, grandma and mine, aunt, my aunt and mine, um, that's just for me, and there's no distractions. And that's something that they can look forward to, and you would be amazed at how just a small investment of time like that can really make have a huge impact a huge impact for a variety of reasons connection being number one. Oh, I you're you know there's all kinds of research i'm i'm one of those people who does all kinds of research i'm a, a custom curriculum writer and so i'm constantly you know looking under rocks to find new information and and looking at, at new ways to to present things and new ideas i love this kindling corner idea and the idea that it fits in so perfectly with this book randall finds his light mm-hmm. because he's a candle and he's got it's a flame and i love the idea of kindling and even the the description that you gave of story time that could even be a kindling corner even though it was in a school and a classroom she gathered yeah, you library. around yeah she gathered you around and so she was creating a really special atmosphere and it yeah. it impacted if it impacted you the chances are good that it impacted some other kids and there's brain mm-hmm. research that talks about how stories light up our brain exactly Mm -hmm. and so this idea the kindling corner is lighting up the brain of all of the children thank you (laughs) it just came to me (laughs) former teacher what can i say Um, now this is i love this book i know this is not your first book and i want to direct our audience to where they can find your book now actually Yours are available on your website, but there's so much more there than just books. So let's give them the website's address, and then let's talk about what all is there, because it's a treasure okay. trove. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yes, um, the, the the website is um, my first initial, L, and then my last name, Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M, and then the, just the word author, A-U-T-H-O-R dot com. So lgramauthor.com. And once you get there, uh, there are a variety of things to see. Um, there is the link to uh, our Empower Kids for Literacy Foundation, um, which the goal is to, part, to form partnerships within the community uh, so that we can get books into the hands of children in underserved communities or children regardless of their personal or social circumstances. You know, uh, we do a lot of work with foster children, um, adoptive families, um, the inner city communities, and there's so much to be done. So we are literally in our boots on the ground, grass, grassroots, uh, mustard seedling stage where we're looking for all types of support. 
Um, and so that's that's there on our community tab. And then we have our podcast, Tell Me, which is available in all formats. And that's all about, you know, doing the good work that you're doing. It's the, the power of one. And a good friend of mine said it's the power of one, but it's also the power of one another. One idea from one person, that's where it starts. But it grows community. And I just absolutely love that. That's Genevieve Vittoro, the founder of the Pajama Program. Um, I wish she was, she was on our show. So that's there. Um, we have a link to our Redbubble store. All the proceeds, uh, I love the ocean, all the proceeds for anything purchased there um, go toward the foundation. Um, what else do I have on there? Don't you have your links to Facebook and Instagram? Oh, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes, all our social media uh, social media links are on there. So I'm, I have a pretty heavy presence on Facebook, and it's just my name. Um, we are on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, not so much on Instagram, um, not yet. But, uh, but yeah, all you have to do is go to lgramauthor.com, and uh, everything is there. Everything is there for you. This has been so much fun, but obviously we are running out of time. You are doing just the work of the angels and it's been such a pleasure to have you on books on air i've got one final question for you and i think i already know the answer to the question but (laughs) i want to hear you say it these books are first of all they're illustrated beautifully is there something about the illustration that you want to talk about is there an illustrator that you work with yes well you know i've picked different illustrators for each book um, the, the Randall finds his light. I, I am a huge supporter of the arts and, uh, I like to give exposure to young artists. There are so many out there who are so gifted and I wanted to give exposure to some young up and coming artists. So the artist for Randall finds his light, her name is Ashley Montel and she, uh, went to Rowan for digital fine art. And now she, she has graduated and she is going to the main school of art so happy for her. So this was her first project. This was her very first book. So we're hoping we're hoping to get her um, a lot of exposure. And uh, the uh, the second book that we also have, um, uh, Sandy's Safe Place to Land. She is a high school art teacher, and her name is Nicole Smedili, um, S M E D I L E, and she does all of her work. She has work uh, art in galleries. It's all um, ocean specific, and her faith is very strong. Um, that's actually our first outwardly faith-based book, but that's a sweet little story too. So, yeah, amazing, amazing artist. And uh, I just I can't say enough about about them and how rewarding the process was. It was tough. It was push and pull. Um, but you got to get it right. And and you know when it's right. You look at it and you say, Wow, it, it was worth the wait. Well, Randall and Randy and Candy are so cute. I just <laughs> it really attracts your attention, and I love it that you rhyme their names. You know, when people read either a children's book to a child, whether it's a mom or a dad or a grandparent or a babysitter, guardian, someone that reads with the child, or the child reads the book themselves, they close the book. Do you want them to just take away a really nice, sweet, uplifting story? Or is there another message that you really want them to leave with? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's pretty, pretty simple. But don't you know and this is for adults too i've I've had so many adults say your books are really for me they're not just for kids too because we're all just 
kids inside, right? We're all right. little kids inside yeah. wanting that innocence and love and acceptance. So don't miss the power of a moment. Um, and I talk to kids about, you know, when, you, when you're unkind to somebody, even for a moment on the playground, in the cafeteria, on the bus, and you think it doesn't have an impact, it does. But there are positive things that you can do in a moment that can, that can turn things around. And these books, all of them focus on, since we're talking about light, little moments of light, little moments of kindness. And I guess I would, I would say is no moment of kindness is ever wasted. Oh, that's perfect. That's just perfect. This has been absolutely delightful. I love all of the work that you're doing, the foundation, the books, the message that the books have. It's just been such a pleasure to have you on Books on Air. Thank you, Lisa, for being our guest. Oh, thank you. I'm very, very grateful. Now, don't forget, Lisa's books are available at dot. L for Lisa, Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M-A-U-T-H-O-R dot com. All lowercase, no spaces. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. I'm Suzanne Harris. And I hope you'll join our next Books on Air podcast, because remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.